Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Good morning. Welcome to church. My name is Toby. I have titled this The Authority of Jesus. The Authority of Jesus. We have a few texts here. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. We'll start with that. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Pastor has done a fantastic work of laying a foundation uh, about the church in Philippi, if I'm pronouncing that right. And, you know, we heard that we should relax, that God is in control. I want to encourage you to listen to that if you haven't, because it provides a lot of context about the church that this letter was first written to. So Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Before we go, so this, this text I'm about to read uh, essentially captures the book of Philippians in, t- in terms of everything that we are talking so essentially everything Paul was talking about or writing about obviously centers around the person of Jesus and in Philippians 2 9 11 the, the the Bible says here that therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The second text I want to read is Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 20 to 21. Ephesians 1, 20 to 21. Again, speaking about Jesus, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and in John 1 John 1 1 to 4 John 1 1 to 4 says in the beginning again speaking of the person of Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with God And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. That's John 1, 1 to 4. And the final text. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. He says, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Okay, so that was quite a set of uh, Bible texts, but we'll break away from that. Do you guys, for those who are kind of familiar with like all these crime TV shows, NCIS, CSI, CSI New York, I don't even know that it exists. CSI Miami, I'm sure there's this mentalist, and I think we're watching Bosch at the moment on Amazon Prime. Anyway, you know all of these crime TV shows, especially in the States. Let's say the local police shows up trying to solve a crime. 
then there's always that other department that turns up and go, oh, you guys don't have jurisdiction here. We are taking over. You, I'm, I'm sure you guys are familiar. with. It's like a scene that they have to put in to demonstrate that one department is more important than another department. And as you continue to watch some of this series, you will know that there's always one guy that when he turns up, if you are the police officer on the scene, you know that you're relegated to making coffee or, you know, putting all the uh, banners and the corridor, or putting missing, missing posters around the street because essentially you are being relegated. So you, you know those guys, they turn up on the scene and then negotiation is going on or whatever and they just say, go make me coffee, we've taken over. That is kind of the image I picture when Jesus turns up. When Jesus turns up, other powers, other authorities get relegated instantly. There is no power that can contend with his authority. So when Jesus turns up into a situation, all other powers get relegated. So as we go into this, I'm not claiming that I know every absolute intricacies of, of the authority of Jesus. I continue to learn and also not claiming that I know how these other powers and authorities exist in their absolute entirety. But what I know for sure is that when Jesus turns up, no matter what variation of that power or authority is, it has to bow uh, to the authority of Jesus and glory to God for that. So this morning, I've broken this sermon into two. The first part is around the ways and the categories where Jesus demonstrated his authority. We'll pray as we go on and then we'll hopefully go into like the meat of what the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart to speak about. So in Matthew 17, 27, we saw Jesus demonstrated his authority over circumstances. I want to group them under circumstances. And particularly in Matthew 17, 27, Jesus was dealing with the issue of supply. You know, there is always supply when Jesus is involved. In Matthew 17, 27, the, 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 the tax collectors were asking, you know, about paying tax and stuff like that. And to not cause offense, Jesus said, in Matthew 17, 27, however, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake, throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it, pay the tax for both of us. So just like that, tax is paid. You know, go into the lake, get a fish out, and all the money that you need to pay your taxes uh, is paid. As I was reading that, I'm just thinking about if only you can pay CRA like that. That would be something. Anyway, in Matthew 14, Matthew chapter 14 and 15, we also saw Jesus demonstrated his authority again in where there's an issue of supply. In the feeding of the 5,000 and feeding of the 4,000, there was not enough supply of bread or not enough supply of food. What was in absolute supply was compassion. What was in absolute supply was mercy. And as a result of that, we read that 5,000 men in one instance, 4,000 men in another instance, God fed. 
And they were counting the men. So there, as we always know, there is, you know, women and children in that population at, at all. And everybody was well fed and there was stuff left over. When Jesus is involved, there is supply of compassion. There is supply of mercy. I know, you know, Pastor talked about last week, the fact that we are entering a season as a church. And we are so grateful to God because we are on a God uh, on a kingdom agenda mission, we know that supply is sorted for us and glory to God uh, for that. So I pray into your life as you're listening to me in any area of your life where you require supply, I pray that supply will be available to you in the name of Jesus, whether I supply of grace, whether I supply of mercy, and whether I supply of bread in form of resources. God will make that happen for you in the name of Jesus to his glory. Another area where we see Jesus exercise or demonstrated his authority for people to see to the glory of God is over injustice and disorder. You know, and the example that came to my mind, I'm going to race through this part, is the trading in the temple. It was so full of the Holy Spirit that he, he was not able to tolerate disorder and injustice. Again, I pray for your life, any area of your life where you are experiencing disorder or any form of injustice, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that there will be order and justice in the mighty name of Jesus. The mercy of God will speak into that situation in the name of Jesus. Another area Jesus exercised authority was over things. This is another category. I just put it over things. You know, he spoke to a tree. He spoke to a storm. Again, I pray for you today. If there's any area of your life that you think or you feel you are experiencing a storm or you are indeed in a storm, that the peace of God will reign in that situation in the name of Jesus. I speak to every storm of your life to be still in the name of Jesus. Jesus also exercised authority over diseases. You know, there are so many instances of this. We know about, you know, the one that really pricked my mind was the one about the centurion, uh, centurion's uh, family member. When he said, you know, Jesus, don't bother walking to, to where I live. Just, you know, speak the word. I can see that you walk in authority. Just speak the word and I know that there will be healing. Again, I pray for you. If there's any area of your life that is affected, that needs healing in your body, body in your mind that there will be healing today in the mighty name of Jesus. Another area that Jesus demonstrated his authority was in the teaching of the scriptures. Like we read earlier, he is the word. So when he had, you know, he had the command of the scriptures. He did not need to reference anybody. He did not need to really quote anybody. He commanded the scriptures. And um, in Luke 24, 27, he said, um, Luke writing here, he said, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scriptures. Uh, Luke also writing in Acts of the Apostles, he said, he was speaking of the things pertaining the kingdom of God. I pray for every single one of us today that as we continue to read the scriptures that Jesus will be revealed to us 
in you know in in clearer terms in the name of Jesus. When when you read the Bible, when I read the Bible, we will not be confused in Jesus, and we will see Jesus Christ in the Scriptures in the name of Jesus. Amen. So moving on, Jesus also demonstrated his authority over sin. We saw that in the scriptures where he was praying for the guy that his friends um, brought through the ceiling. And, and, and Jesus said to him, he said, get up, pick up your bed, go home, your sins are forgiven. You know, he demonstrated that when it comes to sin, I'm the guy. I can forgive and that is it. It is done. You don't have to think about it. Once Jesus says your sins are forgiven, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter how dark it's been. It doesn't matter even if you are not sure that Jesus has forgiven. Once he says your sins are forgiven, he has forgiven you. Glory be to God. Another area that Jesus demonstrated is authority is over the devil and all of his opposition. Remember, we're talking about the authority of Jesus, and I'm going through a list of all of the areas I've just highlighted here where Jesus demonstrated or exercised his authority to show that all power and all authority belongs to him. So this number seven here, if you are writing or making a list, is over the devil and all his opposition. So when I say all of his ang- like all of his different angles of coming in, you know the devil really leveraged uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees a lot. You read in the Bible they were all always opposing, always testing him, always trying to catch him out. And every single instance, Jesus demonstrated his authority even whilst he was getting tempted you know when when uh, you know he was being led to or being asked to do different things jesus again demonstrated his authority over temptation and over all of the wiles of the enemy again i pray for you this morning if there's any way the enemy is trying to trick you into unbelief, trick you into condemnation, trick you into guilt. I pray for you today that the power in the name of Jesus will help you to silence the voice of the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. You will be able to speak the truth of Jesus Christ against every wiles of the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. That is something that Pastor talked about, I think, the week before, when he's talking about putting on the whole armor of God, like the word, the truth of God that we'll know that allows us to silence whatever it is that the enemy is saying at any point in time. Another area that Jesus demonstrated his authority is over the devil and death. Okay, we're getting a little bit dark here. So over the devil and death. In Hebrews 2, 14 to 15, Hebrews 2, 14 to 15, it says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. I need to break this down a bit. So what, what Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 is saying here is, for as then, for as much then as the children, that is us, mankind, are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. So Jesus went through the same journey that mankind would have gone through. That is, he had flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him 
that had the power of death. That is the devil. Something that is always very important to distinguish here is, you know, sometimes when we think, it's possible to think about death and think about the devil as almost the same thing, but they are, you know, essentially two separate entities, if I can call it that. Very, they work quite hand in hand together, but Hebrews here is saying that Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death. So the devil had the power of death. You know, when you read the same text in verse 14 in TPT, I know quite a few of us like TPT, uh, it says, since all his children have flesh and blood, Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. And then verse 15 says, by embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. For it is clear he didn't do this for the angels. He did it for for mankind, if I'm paraphrasing it. Again, I pray for you today, anyone that is being intimidated by the enemy, especially around death. The Lord will silence the enemy in the name of Jesus. You shall live, you shall not die, to declare the glory of the Lord in the land of the living, in the name of Jesus. So we talked about Jesus overcoming the devil, in particularly over death. What Jesus did in relation to death to demonstrate and exercise his authority or to exercise and demonstrate his authority, as I was kind of preparing for this, I I kind of broke it down into Jesus raised the dead. So we know that in many instances, I'll say Lazarus for reference, uh, Jesus raised the dead. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Jesus exercising authority over death now. He raised the dead. He rose from the dead. So not only did he raise other people that died, you know, uh, he, he, also, he also rose from the dead. And then the other victory is that the dead in Christ will rise and death will also be judged. You know, all of this is scriptural. In John 10, 18, um, Jesus was saying, he says, No man taketh my life from me. I lay it down of myself. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it again. You know, he had the authority over his own resurrection. He had authority to give his life. And he had authority to raise it from the dead. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. We, we went through First Corinthians. So again, I'll paraphrase here. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. And he was saying that if all our hope as believers is that we serve Jesus Christ on this earth and we die and that's the end of it. He said that is actually quite a miserable life. But he said in Jesus dying and rising again. He has demonstrated to us that those who are, you know, those people who who are dead in Christ will be raised again. You know, so I I want to read this for for help. So 1 Corinthians 15, starting from 19, said, If we are abiding in Christ, have hoped only in this life, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. 
Then 20 breaks it down and says, but now Christ has in fact been raised from the dead, the first fruit, that is the first to be resurrected with an incorruptible immortal body, foreshadowing the resurrection of those who are falling asleep in death. I know this kind of part of the scriptures is not one that maybe people like to talk about a lot, but this is, the, this is one of the biggest joy that we have in Christ Jesus, that this life we are living now is not the end of it. You know, this life, you know, some, you know, you know whether, when we've experienced loss or people pass on, we know that this is not the end because Christ, Christ, you know, as prepared, as prepared our incorruptible and immortal bodies for us um, and the dead in Christ will rise again. So in raising the dead, in his resurrection, and in the fact that the dead in Christ are raised again, Jesus demonstrated his authority over death. And this is captured very well in Revelation 2014. Revelation 2014, when the scripture says that then death, and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. You know, sometimes we talk about hell or Hades. We, we mix it up with the lake of fire. But Revelation 20, 14 is saying hell or Hades as we know it and death as we know it were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So in, also in Revelation 21, 3 to 4, to capture the promise that gives us joy as believers. In Revelation 21, 3 to 4, Revelation 21, 3 to 4 says, And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and they, there will no longer be death, and there will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain for the former order of things has passed away. Glory be to God. Um, I, I, I pray that as you read and study this scripture, it will give you confidence of who you are in Christ Jesus and the fact that there is no reason to be afraid and be in bondage uh, of death as a believer. Jesus has conquered death. He has conquered death once and for all. Glory be to God. Uh, the final one on this list, the final one I have here is that Jesus has and demonstrated his authority to make children of God. John 1, John 1 verse 11 uh, 11 and 12 says, he came to the people he created. Remember, we read John 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was God. This is John 1, 11, 12. It says, he came to the people he created, to those who should have received him, but they did not recognize him. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name, he gave authority to become children of God. Glory to God. So that's you, that's me. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, we rest on the fact that he has given us authority to be children of God. Glory to God. We only have that in Christ Jesus. So I say all of that as my first section to say that why do we, if I can use the word revel or, or delight, why do we delight in the authority of Jesus as believers. 
Why, why is that important? Why does it even matter? First John 4, First John 4, 13 to 17, said, By this we know with confident assurance that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his Holy Spirit. So 14. So this is First John 4, verse 14 here now saying, We who were with him in person, have seen and testify as eyewitnesses that the Father has sent the Son to be Savior of the world. 15 says, whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 16 says, we have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love which God has for us God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. Then 17 says, in this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, with assurance and boldness to face him. And the, the last phrase of this, of this uh, verse says, because as he is, so are we in this world. I want to rest here for a little bit. I've, we've just talked about how Jesus demonstrated his authority in, you know, 10 categories, if you can put it that way. I'm sure some can, could have been merged together. But we've just explored very quickly how Jesus demonstrated his authority. But then John writing here says, because as he is, because as he is, so are we in this world. So why do we delight in the authority of, of Jesus? We delight in the authority of Jesus because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 17 in TPT uh, says, By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. I want us to take that in a lot because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. So when pastor, I think in when we did the, um, the prayer, the prayer weekend or one of the teachings when our pastor was talking, us, uh, talking to us about walking and positioning in Christ, you know, walking in Christ and position in Christ. And it talks about the fact that, you know, our position in Christ, and it's very important for believers to understand that as part of their identity in Christ Jesus. You know, First John 4, 17 is saying, because as he is, so are we in this world. That is one of the reasons why we are very excited about the authority of Jesus. And believers have delegated authority. That is one of the other reasons that we are very excited. We have delegated authority. This authority is not ours. It has been delegated to us. In, in, you know, it becomes ours, providing it is in Jesus Christ. Luke 10, 17. Luke 10, 17 to 19 says, again, I'll just quickly talk about this story. This is when Jesus essentially has the 70, we call them the 70. Remember, Pastor taught around that. The 70 missionaries, they went out, they did a lot of work, a lot of miraculous work 
in the name of Jesus. When they got back, they were so excited. They were like, Jesus, you know, you should have been there. We were doing this. You know, we, 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 the demons obeyed us. We commanded them in your name, you know, and all of these things were happening. And this is one of the evidence of Jesus that delegating his authority and other people being able to essentially do the kind of works or miraculous works that Jesus, Jesus did. So we have delegated authority. What I want to rest on as I'm getting close to my conclusion is though, we exercise authority only in Jesus' name. And I'm going to really break that down. We exercise authority only in Jesus' name. When I break that up, I'll say only eligible people can exercise the authority in Jesus. Only eligible people can exercise the authority. You know, um, Pastor again talked about, I think in one of our prayer meetings when he was talking about the, the sons of Sceva, I think they are called. These guys were just kind of, how can I say it, experimenting. They'll say, I command this demon to go in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And I guess maybe they've been getting away with it because they continue to do it. But then they met one naughty demon one day. And there was a demonized man, if I can put it that way. And literally, the guy was like, I know Jesus. I know him well. I know Paul. You know, I know him. I know he's a believer. But you guys, I don't, I, you know, I don't recognize you. And, you know, the demonized man essentially beat those guys up because they were not eligible to exercise the authority that they were attempting to exercise. So, we exercise the authority in Jesus' name. However, only eligible people can exercise the authority in Jesus' name. This is the part I want to really rest on. We can only exercise authority in Jesus' name. So Jesus in John 13, John 13, 13 to 14 says, Jesus made it clear essentially to say, all authority has been given to him. But he also he said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you don't take anything away from, from, from this sermon, I want you to please lean into this. When it says, whatever you ask in my name, it is not a copy and paste. A lot of us use, in Jesus' name, copy and paste. Everything I want to happen minus everything I don't want to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. That is a total misinterpretation of what that text is saying. When Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, what it means is that we are talking about eligible people, number one, going to exercise authority in the name of Jesus. What that means is that not only are they qualified to do what they are doing, but what they are doing, they are doing it in Jesus' name. So they are doing it as a messenger of Jesus. They are doing it as an ambassador of Jesus. They are doing it as a missionary of Jesus. They are doing it as a message carrier of Jesus. You know, they are not asking to win the lottery in Jesus' name so that they can, you know, so that they can blow, as we say. They are not asking to dominate or take advantage of other people in Jesus' name. They are qualified to exercise authority in Jesus' name, but they are on a mission in the name of Jesus. 
Ephesians 1.20 and Ephesians 2.6, that we are seated with God. I mentioned that earlier. We are seated in him. You are the one that he moves through. So when pastor has taught us about this, about our position, that positioning is not, oh, now because I'm in Christ Jesus, let me go and show these demons what I'm made of. Let me go and cause trouble there. Let me... What it means really is that there are things that Jesus wants to do and wants to continue to do on earth. And he is using his body, his church, the believers to do it. So when somebody is doing in Jesus' name, it means that Jesus is doing through them. It is not about their will. It is not about their ambition. It is not about their goals. It is about what Jesus is doing through them. It is, he is the head. We are the body. So he does through us. When we go, we go in his name. When we come to church, we, you know, you know, we say these things like we're doing it for Jesus. When we, when we say that, sometimes how I hear it and I think how we interpret it is like, it almost sounds like we are doing Jesus a favor. It's, it's a total flip. Not only that you can't do Jesus a favor, but it is that when you come to church, you are carrying the presence of the Holy Spirit to the rest of the believers to minister. You are on a Jesus mission. You are, on a, you know, you are a carrier of Jesus. I'm hoping that this is sinking in because it is so important for us to grasp that as soon as we accept Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior, roles are reversed a little bit. That's not to say we don't have our free will. That's not to say that we don't seek the face of God. But ultimately, what we call the will of God is Jesus in us doing what he wants to do through us, not us giving permission for Jesus to do what we want to do. Victory is only guaranteed in Jesus' name. So as I go down this path, every time I'm saying in Jesus' name, I want you guys to please hear it in the lens of a carrier of Jesus, a messenger of Jesus. So when I say victory is only guaranteed in Jesus' name, that means that victory is only guaranteed on a kingdom agenda, on an agenda that is flying the flag of Jesus. As I was preparing for this, something came to my mind around the fact that the church, the church could have an agenda. I'm not talking about Lighthouse Church. Now. I'm just talking about a group of believers could have an agenda to do something politically or socially. That agenda has an equal chance of success and failure as any organized group unless it is being done in Jesus' name. So, you know... So sometimes we then need to question ourselves, our believers, on this, on this uh, venture that I'm going, am I going in Jesus' name? I pray for you today in every area of your life that there's confusion around your mission, your vision, your ambition, that there will be clarity in the name of Jesus. When we are carrying or and acting on delegated authority, that authority is for a purpose. It's not like you've just given a machine gun to a two-year-old and you put their finger on the trigger and they're just going to... No, no, no. Jesus is in you doing what he wants to do. And what is very, very sweet and exciting about this fact is when he is in us doing what he wants to do, it is on him. So even the most unpalatable of experiences... 
because Jesus had victory, we know that victory is assured. When Jesus was being tempted, he had victory. When he was being tested, he had victory. When he was being tried, he had victory. When he was being persecuted, he had victory. There is always victory. The only one time when he looked like there was no victory, he was nailed on the cross, he died. That was where the biggest knockout happened. And I pray for you today again, in every area of your life that looks like the enemy has an upper hand, it will turn around for a great testimony in the name of Jesus. Every area of your life that you are feeling defeated, that you are feeling isolated, that you are feeling vulnerable because you feel like the enemy has won, I pray for you today, it will turn around for one of your biggest testimonies so far in the name of Jesus. It is in the name of Jesus that victory is guaranteed. So the question I've been asking myself as the Holy Spirit has laid this upon my heart, and I'm asking you guys as well is, are you going in the name of Jesus? Are you doing in the name of Jesus? So that current thing you're pursuing that is giving you sleepless nights, that project that you're working on that you're so zealous about, why is that your aim? Are you doing it in Jesus' name? That job that you're going for, are you going in Jesus' name? Victory is only guaranteed in Jesus' name. So why that city? Why are you choosing that city? Are you going in Jesus' name? You know, so, and I want to explain this a little bit more. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit. And our promptings by the Holy Spirit are very valid. I don't want what I'm saying to cause confusion. What I mean by this is, the Holy Spirit is telling us, you know, do this, don't do that. But some of us sometimes misconstrue that promptings. You know, the Holy Spirit is leading you to do this. You know, you are convinced in your mind that this is what the Holy Spirit is asking me to do. But that is great. But you also need to understand why. What is the Jesus reason behind this? You know, the Holy Spirit is not asking me to look good and make myself presentable to just be a slay queen or a slay king, even though that term is not popular anymore, slay queen. But, you know, that is not what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. You want to understand what is the Jesus why in this? Jesus is putting you in a leadership position. What is the reason? What what is the Jesus reason behind the position he has put you into? Um, Jesus is leading you into the political field, the technical field, you know, the educational sector. You understand the Jesus reason behind that. When we go, we go in Jesus' name. When we do, we do in Jesus' name. When we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. It is a signal that we are laying down our personal desires and our own way of getting things done, and we commit to follow God and honor him. One major place that we are certain that we are going in Jesus' name is when we preach the gospel. There's there's no believer that can be confused about that. The, the major place that Jesus has asked us to go in his name is to evangelize, to, to reach the unreached or the unsaved, to go, Jesus died for you, he is ready, he's canceled your debt, he wants you to accept him as his Lord and personal Savior. We know that. So when the Holy Spirit is prompting us to say, do this, you need to start linking it to, okay, the Great Commission. Where are the opportunities to evangelize? Where are the opportunities? Why is God asking me to take this step? Why is this desire so strong? Why is this prompting from the Holy Spirit so strong in my heart? I'll give you an example. When Peter was uh, 
when Peter had an encounter with the, with the beggar, um, he said, silver and gold, I have none. Peter wasn't saying that, oh, I don't have money. I know some of us kind of interpret it like, oh, he was saying he was poor. What, Jesus, what Peter was saying there is, I'm carrying something that is bigger than gold and silver, and I will give it to you. He says, such as I have, I give thee. What do I have? The name of Jesus. That is, he said, such as I have, I give thee. So we carry Jesus. The most vital knowledge in scriptures is knowing who Jesus is and who we are and what we can do in him. So as believers, our life is a mirror of Jesus's life. In a sense, that is what gives us a purpose, a Jesus agenda. Every purpose that is not linked to a Jesus agenda has a question mark, and it is not in Jesus. It needs to have a kingdom agenda. It needs to be in Jesus' name. It is then in Jesus' name that we can confidently say, he who has begun a good work in us will complete it, because that work is in his, his Jesus' name. It's, it's then we can say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, because all the things I'm doing is in Jesus' name. It is then we can say that we won't be anxious for anything. We won't be pulled in different directions or be worried, because what we are doing is in Jesus' name. So when I go in Jesus' name, I have rest in him. Last week we talked, we heard about relax, God is in control. God is in control of the projects, the promptings, and all of the things he has committed to you that is aligned to your purpose. If, if there are things that you are, you are pursuing that is outside of that will, there's a question mark. The control that God has over that is to bring you back in alignment. So when we say relax, God is in control. God is in control of the purpose, the will, the design that he has for your life. Why is all of this important? It's important because motives are apparent to God. Sometimes motives are not apparent to us. You know, we, we sometimes don't even know fundamentally why we are pursuing some of the things we are pursuing. In some cases, to be honest, we actually do, but we, you know, our free will is still there, it's still free, and we still want to do the things that we want to do. And in some cases, our motives are apparent, but we don't understand fully yet the Jesus why. It's still a bit fuzzy. I pray for all of us, regardless of what we are pursuing and what is in front of us, we don't know yet or we don't have a good understanding enough to care yet, I pray that the mercy of God will intervene in all of those things in the name of Jesus and there will be alignment in the things that we desire and the purpose of God for our lives. There will be alignment with what we want to do in the mighty name of Jesus. I conclude everything by saying that most of the things I've talked about today is more a case about misappropriation of authority than eligibility. We've been encouraging ourselves as believers to go in Jesus' name. We've been, ex to an extent, examining our desires and our ambitions to say, does this glorify God? Does this give glory to God? And to recognize that we carry authority and to exercise this authority in Jesus' name. However, it is possible that you are listening or watching this. And yes, you call on God, especially when things are tricky. You pray on your own way. You even pray in Jesus' name. But you have not accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to invite you to take the opportunity to make that decision today. 
Like I've been saying, it is only the things that are done in Jesus' name that victory is certain. Why don't you live your life in Jesus' name? Why don't you live and make your decisions in Jesus' name? God has canceled your debt. He is not holding anything against you. He wants you to come and accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. So I want to take this opportunity to invite you. If you're listening, take this first step of faith and pray this prayer with me. So if you're on the chat, there's usually a banner that comes up that allows you to signify. If you're on YouTube, you can email us. But more importantly, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a very simple prayer. Just say that, Jesus, I believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I also believe that in you dying and rising, you paid all my sin debt. I accept your lordship over my life. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. If you have said that prayer, I want to congratulate you. There is only one way to live, and that is in Jesus' name. And if you've taken this step, you will have questions. It's only normal that you have questions. Get those questions answered. Plug into a connect group. Don't do life alone. And I'm using this opportunity to also speak to people who have recently accepted Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. This, this work is full of questions. Don't do life alone. Join a connect group. Get your questions answered. Don't live in isolation. Don't let the enemy give you uh, wrong information. Uh, I want to encourage all of us that we have been listening for the last, God knows, 45 minutes or so. I want you to, to just pray for yourself whilst I pray for myself. Just ask for mercy today. There's a lot of things. It's only natural. There's a lot of things that we are pursuing as individuals, sometimes as collectives, that we need to just examine properly alignment in the name of Jesus. Let's just ask for mercy. Let's ask God, Father, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us today. We receive the grace to go in Jesus' name. We receive the grace to go in Jesus' name. Help us to deal with everything in us that still opposes your will for our lives. Everything and anything in our being that opposes your will for our life, help us to deal with them in the name of Jesus. Help us to live a life that is totally available for your use and for your glory alone. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.